You're listening to Agency Dealmasters, brought to you by Bridge. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Her name is Heather Lidgard, and she is the CEO of Frank Valiant, probably one of the most impressive agencies that you've never heard of. They do some really fascinating work for some giant brands using XR, gaming, 3D animation, and more to create visually stunning work that not only looks nice, but generates a tremendous return for their clients' businesses. We've never had an agency from Sweden on the show before, and we talk about everything from her background in law to where she is now in marketing and how she's applied her consulting experience to the challenges of growing an agency, how they've taken the decision to grow slowly, only taking on one client a year, there and thereabouts, and what that means for retention and client service, we talk about her struggles with imposter syndrome, um, don't we all? We, we we discuss how she uses management frameworks from books like Good to Great in Her Marriage. Uh, we found that we've got that in common as well. I do the same thing. This is just an absolute masterclass in all things concerning communication and agency growth from someone who I had a real pleasure speaking to and, and getting to know a little bit through this process. She's just so fun, which will come across in the conversations. She's really smart, but not in an intimidating way. I really enjoy the chat. I know that you will as well. So I'm just going to say, without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Heather Lidgard. My name is Nathan Anibaba, and this is Agency Dealmasters. Agency Dealmasters is a series of conversations with world-class agency leaders building great agency businesses. I believe everyone belongs in the growth journey, and this show is dedicated to the stories and the lessons of ambitious agency builders of all types by examining their history, competitive advantage, and what makes them tick. Now, let's jump in. Hedda Lidgard is the CEO of Frank Valiant, a leading creative agency who specialize in explaining complex things in simple ways. They combine storytelling skills and deep understanding of visual communication with their love of state-of-the-art technology. Clients include the likes of Atlas, Copco, and AstraZeneca, to name a few. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Hedda Lidgard, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Super excited to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. It was Philip Gosney who put us in contact. He's head of marketing for Maersk. In fact, I think we should start there because you started your career as a lawyer and then you moved to marketing. He also started his career in law and then moved over to marketing. What is it about the marketing profession that has all of you lawyers uh, (laughs) attracted to it? (laughs) Well, first of all, I would have to say that uh, Phil is probably a much, much better lawyer than I ever was. I am a, I'm a lawyer by by training, but very early on, I realized that um, that probably wasn't for me. Now, I think law is a great uh, educational background to have. It's very broad. It's a way of thinking that I think is usable and transferable across many different professions. But I think, you know, the main thing that I see that connects the two is that there is a, a real need for language in both or communication, being able to be clear and crisp about what you are trying to convey. And so, 
you know, hopefully in marketing, we do it with a little bit more pizzazz than, than maybe a lawyer does. But I think the language and, and the elements of, of communication is uh, transferable across, uh, across the two. Fast forward a few years and you become a management consultant at Accenture. What did you take away from that experience that informed your view of marketing today? I mean, we definitely fast forwarded a bunch of years there. I mean, I've done a lot of um, things in between. I have a very kind of um, broad background. I've been, uh, I was in HR. I was a uh, uh, HR director for a thousand people at Bombardier. Um, and then I, I, yes, I did uh, management consulting for Accenture and I've been a um, director of uh, customer experience for, for a language school called EF. And, and I think looking back, I didn't realize that I, as I was on the journey, but, but looking back, I, I see that, you know, there is communication runs through all of those, whether it's, communicating and engaging with employees or whether it's communicating with, you know, external clients, customers. So there's always been this element of trying to make things understandable and, and to get people enthusiastic about stuff and getting people on board. And um, and I, so looking back, I kind of see that that's what has followed me through my career. Uh, and of course, which is very relevant when it comes to, to both being a CEO and running a company, but also in you know helping our clients uh, engage with their customers. So let's talk a little bit about Frank Valiant. You are the CEO and the agency was founded in 2014. You joined in 2019. Tell us the origin story of the agency and the most significant milestones along the way. So it was founded... Um, Kind of as a student project, actually, by the founder, Gustav Strom, who is still the uh, chief creative officer here. Um, and, and it was his kind of baby when he was studying. He has a background in, in graphic design and illustration and, uh, and then realized that so much was moving into 3D. So he educated himself at a, at a university and saw that all of these very, very talented people were using their skills in, you know, visual effects and 3D in the movies or in the gaming industry. And he just saw that there was such a potential of like tying it together with uh, communication and bringing it to kind of the more business to business world. So he, uh, together with another uh, founder, started this as a project when they were in school. And, and you know, we're trying to, to figure out how to use this at that time, still relatively new uh, way of communicating in the business to business world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was very successful, like putting together the, the creative aspect of, of his background together with the technology. It started with two guys in a basement and, and then throughout the years, slowly but surely we've built this business organically. We've had no external capital. Um, we've always, you know, earned every crown that we've spent. Um, so I would say that the major milestones, I mean, of course, we've had exciting stuff like moving into new offices lots of times and uh, and other things. But the major milestones have always been when we've onboarded new clients because we don't have very many clients, but the ones that we have are very, very big. And we take being a partner very seriously. So it's a big, it's a long process of onboarding for us to understand them. So, you know, maybe having an onboarding one clients per year uh, since 2018 or so, and just really getting the time and getting to know them. And, um, and so I'd say those are, those are the major milestones, bringing on the big clients one at a time, you know, growing organically. And, and 
And now, of course, we see this exponential growth. We're in hyper growth. Um, and, and, and that happens, I think, because large clients attract other large clients. But letting this take the time to grow organically um, has been, you know, what has brought us to where we are today. And you joined a CEO in, in 2019. What attracted you to the agency? So I was actually a, uh, I was a client uh, to, to the agency right. at the time when they were four people in a basement. <laughs> and um, I loved the energy. I loved the way, uh, the creative problem solving. Uh, it was really exciting to be on the, on the customer, on the client side. And so then I kind of, you know, made my move and uh, <laughs> and joined the agency and um, and started with, you know, just trying to, um, I'm called the grown-up in the organization. <laughs> and I think the reason is that this is a group of incredibly talented, highly creative nerds right. who love understanding <laughs> how things work and, you know, get excited about just creating cool stuff. And so what I brought to the table was this like, Elements of, okay, that's great, but how do we make this scalable? How do we make this sustainable in the long term? Adding a level of maturity. You're the one that comes around and says, put away your clothes and shoes now, children. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I remind them to eat and I like, you know, <laughs> tell them to, to wear nice clothes when we have right. clients coming. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. Really interesting. So, so your strap line is, we explain complex things in simple and exciting ways. Explain. I think, you know, what we've realized where we really add value is when we can help our clients take a process or a product that is really difficult to explain, uh, where there's normally a very long sales cycle. There's often many people involved in the decision to, to, to buy this product uh, on their customer side, um, you know, long sales cycles. And we help take something very complex and break it down and make it more easily digestible, often by using like visual communication. So taking things that you can't see in real life, maybe like a, um, a process or, a, or, 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 you know, taking apart a product and being able to show on the inside what it is you're talking about. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's for us understanding truly understanding what our clients are selling and then helping them to visualize it, uh, break it down, make it appealing. You should work with us when you have a complex product. If you have a lifestyle brand and a, you know, a great shampoo or a fantastic drink, there are other agencies that are, you know, better, better suited for, for that. We are nerds who like to understand difficult things and then to help explain them. Really, really fascinating. So, so you said a moment ago that your onboarding process is about, I guess you take on one client roughly a year, but they're fairly sizable client. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about how you came to the clear positioning that you have today, because I, I looked all over your social media before in, in preparation for this interview, and it's really well articulated. Your website as well, it has very clear articulation of who you're solving the problem for and what problems your clients have. Can you talk a little bit about your process of how you arrived at that place and how long it took you? Well, first of all, we didn't even have a website until about, <laughs> until about a year ago uh, because we were so busy, you know, helping our clients with their websites. So, so thank you for saying that. That's great that you've, uh, you know, had a look at it and that you like it. Um, 
I think as an agency in the beginning, you say yes to pretty much anything uh, because you're just, or at least we did, because we we just wanted to survive. And in the beginning, it's just about taking on anything that people throw at you. Um, and so we did do some lifestyle brands and we did do some, some things that today we would have said no to. Um, and I think we just felt it very instinctively that this is not where we are adding the most value. This is not where the clients are getting the most value out of us. So it, it was it was really about sitting down and looking at what have we had that was very successful? What have we done that was very successful and and that we enjoyed doing? And now what are the commonalities between these projects? And kind of figuring out that actually all of these projects are incredibly you know, we didn't know how we were going to solve them at the beginning because they were so complex. And then the feeling of achievement when you do solve it and, you know, accomplishment when you when you see that what you've done brings value to your clients mm. um, it, about taking the time and really figuring out what is it that we're really good at that maybe other, you know, other agencies aren't as good at. What is it that we can bring to the table that someone else can't? And I think it is this like technic love for technology the 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 high level of nerdity if that's the word <laughs> right we know what you mean <laughs> and and you know the love for the for the complex and uh, and it did take some time i mean it, it it's scary to say no or to say that there's other people who can do this for you in a better way sure yeah and i think that's a that's something that an agency has to go through and and a part of the maturity of of actually figuring out who are we and what do we not do yeah, that's it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. We were sure we were going to end up on the streets, and what if we say no, and they don't want to work with us anymore? Yeah. Um, but actually, it's had the re the opposite effect. It's actually attracted more and better clients to you. It's it sounds like absolutely. So, tell us what have you learned about client services um, and the importance of delivering for large multinational. Clients. If if you're taking on one client a year, it's a fairly sizable client. It, it's really important that you retain that client and and you build long enduring relationships with them. Mm. What have you learned about how to do that well? Well, first of all, that's definitely one of our kind of metrics that we follow up on is you know having people come back to us and return and want to work more with us. And we you know knock on wood, we've never had anyone not come back to us. We do end up partnering with our our clients. One thing that, that is for sure is that I think the absolute hardest thing is getting that first big client in through the door and, and you know, having to do the incredibly hard work of proving yourself to that first client. Because once you have that case, it's much easier to show it to the second client. And once you have those two to go to the third one, it just it, it just gets exponentially easier, which is kind of unfair. Um, but I think, you know, that's one thing definitely we've learned is that it actually, it, it gets easier because we can prove that we've done this to someone who is the same type of organization as you, uh, Mr. Client, you know, that you can feel comfortable with us. And then I think having an understanding of, of how, the difference between working in a large and small organization, you know, at Frank Valiant, we can make a decision about something and then implement it the next day. And I think the same is true for most small companies. And then if it doesn't work, we'll just try something else. But at a large company, you know, working with these these huge clients that we have, uh, the the time it takes to even be approved as a supplier 
is something that you don't even think about that this is going to take eight months before we're allowed to start working with you. And all we want to do is work. So the less, the bigger they are, often the less flexible they are able to be, the more flexible we have to be. Um, And I think that's one thing that people enjoy about working with us is that we are very flexible and we just want to find solutions. And I think for myself personally, having worked at these large organizations previously in my career gives me like a great understanding. And, you know, I understand that the, the, the politics behind decisions in big organizations and we can't just come up with a great idea and sell it to one person. We have to make sure that everyone understands and is on board and all stakeholders are managed and taken care of and feel like they have a say. Um, but I think that's also part of the, of the fun, right? That's also working with something complex and, and the, the feeling, like I said, of achievement when you actually manage to get something through and it looks great and people are proud. It's a great thing. Agency Deal Masters is brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency. We help ambitious agencies talk to the right brands through the power of podcasting. Generate leads, win new business, and increase reputation. Check out our clients' podcasts and find more resources to keep learning at bridgegrowth.org. Now, back to the show. When you are on the client side, um, just thinking about your, your experience here and how relevant it is to agencies now listening, when you were on the client side, what were some of the things that really frustrated you about the agencies that you were working with or wanted to work with you? You know, everything around what you said earlier, stakeholder management and really understanding your role and your job. What were some of the things that, you know, really frustrated you about working with agencies? First of all, I mean, I think this, I can say this for everyone in every situation, like cold calls or like people who are approaching you when you don't want to be approached is really frustrating. It's also very frustrating to be the cold caller, yeah. which is why we don't do it. <laughs> but that's, so I don't think that's the way to go. If you're trying to get into an organization, like you need to have a way in or a reason to speak to the person because otherwise, at least for myself, I would be very frustrated and kind of not want to engage. And then I think there's a couple of things that I thought were difficult. First of all is when when we would have um, agencies or, or consultants come in and kind of be condescending or, or, you know, speak to us as if we didn't know anything where you kind of want to be like, no, we understand this, but we are also running 15 other parallel projects. Right. So so please, like, help me. But but. Please also be very respectful also of the treat fact me that I, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Makes um, sense. And I think that's important to bear in mind that actually they know their business way better than than we do, and we need to you know be very respectful and mindful of that, um, and try to learn as much as we can. Let's talk a little bit about your role as CEO. You came in in 2019. What things were top of your agenda when you f- first joined, and where are you today? I think. Um, Things have really changed. Like I said, we are we are rapidly growing, and um, I think there's a this pendula that kind of goes between chaos and bureaucracy in a company. <laughs> right. And when I joined, we were very much towards the chaos end of things, and so my focus at that time was standardize, set up templates, uh, get processes in place, make sure everyone's doing the same thing. You know, to kind of push us more towards standardization. And now. I would say I'm, I'm very mindful of, of not pushing that too far. Like, 
yes, but we still need to be flexible. And no, we can't do templates for everything because every client is different. And guys, we need to, you know. Um, so that that has definitely kind of shifted. And I think we're going to keep going back and forth there for a little while until we find the right balance. Because it's hard, right? We have to be we have to be smart and make sure we have lessons learned and we're doing things in the smartest way possible while still being super mindful of that every client is different and every project is different. Um, so that, that has changed. And when I first joined, my focus was on just kind of growth and specifically just kind of expanding our revenue and making sure that we were becoming a bigger player because we're, we're working with big players. And so for our credibility, we needed to show that actually we can handle big projects, big amounts of money. And now that we've done kind of that journey to a certain extent, you know, that it doesn't seem, we've proven we're not a mom and pop shop. Uh, we're proven that we've proven that we're not a one-off, you know, one hit wonder. So now the focus is much more about looking in the long-term, looking at profitability, making sure that we're, you know, doing things in the right way because we're still growing organically. Really interesting. So just in terms of the future growth plans of the business, then what what does the roadmap for growth look like over the next two two to three years, either in terms of markets, clients, opportunities? Just give us an idea of kind of how you see the growth roadmap unfolding in front of you. I think, um, you know, once we found this balance or as we continue to try to find the balance between chaos and, and bureaucracy within our own organization, we are just focusing on delivering to our existing clients um, because, because we're working with such giants, there's always more work to be done if we are delivering at the highest level. Uh, and, and truly, like we've grown within our clients. Every single client that we've started working for has generated more work and then new divisions and new. So, so that's our main focus is taking care of the business that we already have and not you know, running after new hot leads, but really being sure that we keep on delivering to the clients that we have. Um, and I think there's potential to grow within those clients if they choose to continue with us. And then I think um, at the same time, of course, we would need to keep finding these. And there are a number of, uh, you know, amazing companies that we'd love to work with. Um, and so finding ways to get in touch with them, like I said, without cold calling them. But how do we find ourselves in situations where we can, discuss the things that we want to discuss. How do we show ourselves as thought leaders? How do we get out that, you know, like having the opportunity to speak to you is a great, you know, great way of showing that we're here. And, and so I think focus is on, on that moving forward, continue delivering to the clients we have, and then just showing what we're all about and offering, you know, our services to potential clients out there. What are the most important metrics for you to track as CEO to make sure that the health of the agency is going in the direction that you would want it to be? What were those metrics when you first joined in 2019? What are they now? Um, just give us an idea of that. So like I said, when I when I first joined, I, I, I really had this focus on like, we need to just you know, we need to increase our revenue and become bigger, grow, grow the company, show that we're like big and strong. Um, and I, I, I don't really feel like that's anything we have to prove anymore. Um, I mean, I'd love to grow. That's great. But, but I think, you know, our, the things that we definitely focus on and keep track of is returning customers, making sure that we are following up with our clients 
closing projects and asking what did we do, what can we do better, what was great, you know, and, and following up on the kind of customer experience metrics. And then I think it's a whole new animal now of like taking care of employees. We're 20 people now. We used to be four in a basement. And now there's all these, you know, um, people who are relying on their livelihood, you know, on me doing my job um, and, and everyone else in the company. And they are, we have such a talented group of people working here. And so following up and making sure that they're happy, uh, you know, um, whether that's hardcore metrics and doing like employee engagement programs, but also just management by walking around, you know, how's everyone doing? How's, is everyone, is there a good atmosphere? Are people, do people seem happy? Uh, that's not very hardcore metric, but, uh, <laughs> but I think it's but important. It's in- crucial to track. Yeah. yeah. And then of course, like I said, we were working on our profitability and finding ways of doing things smarter. Just how do we, how do we, use what we've learned again and not reinvent the wheel every single time. You talked about the importance of culture um, and having the right people in the right seats. What have you learned about how to attract the right talent to the agency and how to keep the right talent at the agency? I mean, these, these are lessons that apply to your clients as well as agencies Mm. as well. Everyone's um, in, in this war for talent. Yeah. What have you learned about how how to do that well? I think, you know, in the in the, in much the same way as large clients attract other large clients, talent attracts talent. Having good people makes other good people want to work here. So, making sure that these these incredible people that we have want to continue working here, and talk fondly about their workplace uh, is is the way to get the best people because. I would say most of the time when we do need to hire, it'll be someone in our network. It'll be someone's a connections connection. Um, and, you know, we post on LinkedIn and everything else, but, but often we find that if we have good people in house, they will attract uh, other good people. And how do we compete with the huge players that can offer much bigger salaries? And well, then we have to create this kind of sense of, of family and belonging and, Maybe family is the wrong word, but at least a very strong sense of uh, community and team. Uh, and I think we have that. I, I hope, I think that my my uh, colleagues would agree with me. We have a lot of fun. We're very different. We're an incredibly diverse group of people. Out of 20 people, there's, I think, 13 nationalities um, and, you know, all ages and, and genders. And We've chosen to do that. It's been very like mindful in choosing to to make it as diverse as possible, which means it's not always easy. Sure. But it's definitely fun to come to work and interesting. I can see that. Talk us through a typical interview process. I mean, just as a fly fly on the wall, what does your process kind of look like at a at a really high level? And are there really interesting interview questions that you love to ask people at the final? final stage, final couple of stages. I'm, I'm always interested to hear that. So when it comes to both, when we put out the, the role profiles that we're looking for and we, when we do our interviews, we actually really use our core values. We don't have these core values that we kind of stick on a wall and then no one ever talks about them ever again. Um, so we talk about- <laughs> Like having, most businesses. Yeah. We talk about having courage as one of our core values. Uh, grit is the other one. Team and partnership and and so talking 
pe- to people about this and asking them about what they've done that, that shows that they have this or what they think about those core values, I think is such a great way of understanding whether they would uh, fit into our team. So, so that's um, something we, we obviously talk about when it comes to the kind of 3D, you know, animation, rigging, comping, editing, you know, we let other people who are good at it take those interview <laughs> questions. Right. Uh, and, and it's very interesting to listen in on those conversations. Um, but I think truly like talking about the core values. Um, and I am always so impressed when when I ask the question, like, could you give me an example of where you really had to show grit uh, and and to hear people's stories, and it doesn't have to be grit in you know a professional situation. It can be challenges and how they've overcome them through just really, really hard work and pushing through and never giving up. And that's that's one of my favorite questions. Um, and I think everyone who works here, for sure, has has proven that they have grit. Now, now you've grown the business uh, so far with a, a small team. You know, started at four. You're now roughly around twenty. As the business grows and takes on new clients or even grows within existing clients, how do you think about keeping the core of the team and that culture that you've built while still growing quickly? That's the million dollar question, right? I mean, it's, uh, that's the hard part because I think truly the magic is in this kind of uh, um, core that we've built together and every person has contributed to that core. And how do you make sure that that's not diluted by adding on more people? Um, and I think, you know, all we can do is, is, is build this solid foundation, make people feel proud and ownership in the company, grow our talent. So give people the opportunity to grow within the organization and truly feel that if they raise their hand, they'll be allowed to, to run with it. Um, but it is. I mean, that's the hard thing. I think four to 20 is probably doable and we've done it. But now the question is, as we grow from 20 to 50, right? then what? Um, you know, you'll have to talk to me again in a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> as, so, so just bringing the interview towards towards a close now, as, as you think about the next chapter in, in the business's evolution and history and kind of what the future would look like, what what do you think is the most effective next chapter of the business? What does that look like in your mind? I think I'm repeating myself, but I think it comes to, again, the balance between, you know, finding the right level of chaos to keep us flexible and and keep us growing and and being courageous and pushing the boundaries, um, not becoming fat cats and feeling like, oh, now we know how to do it and this is how we do our business, but really like being open to trying new things and and, coming up with new ways of doing things. while at the sales, at the same time, recognizing that we're now a business and 20 people depend, depend on this business to, to, to live. So how do we, how do we find that balance? Um, and then it's about growing our, our talent, bringing in more talent, uh, and just in general, like continuing to level up what we do. Um, I think it's a very exciting chapter. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the future holds. And, and as you think about your role as a CEO, what have been the most fundamental growth periods or milestones for you personally over this these few years? What, what have been the biggest growth areas for you? I think <laughs> I think the, the one of the things I've realized is that nobody actually knows what they're doing. 
So it's okay to ask questions. It's okay not to have the answers. And often I find if I raise my hand and say, hey, listen, I don't understand this, there will be other people in the room who are on my side. Um, so I think, you know, being the kind of the odd one out in this, in this group of, of creative tech people um, has really made me realize that it's, it's, it's okay not to know. And a lot of other people also don't know. Um, and all <laughs> I need to do is know a little bit more than those people yeah. and I'll just fly by. That's um, it. <laughs> No, I, I think I've learned an awful lot um, personally. I mean, both both in terms of how you how how to lead, how to grow a business, but also in the, in the craftsmanship that is marketing and and how do you how do you create effective communication? Um, so it's definitely been a growth journey for myself personally as well. Love that. Let's jump into everyone's favorite questions now. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, so I'm really excited to ask you some of these as well. This is who is the person behind the brand sort of questions. The ones that I've been waiting to get to for the whole interview. <laughs> uh, let's jump into the first one. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from that experience. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've failed a number of times. Uh, of course, everyone has. I think if I may get a little bit personal, I, I um, became a single mother when my children, I had uh, twins and, um, and they're very little uh, when I became a single mom. And I just realized that, you know, you are so much stronger than you think. And, you know, um, and that actually it, it wasn't a failure. My failure wasn't a failure. My failure of, of, of sticking together with, uh, with my, my children's father was not a failure because it led it led me to, to where I am now, to having met a wonderful partner and living an amazing life that, uh, you know, um, that I, I couldn't, I couldn't have wished for anything better. And I wouldn't have been here without that failure and learning from that. And um, so maybe that's a bit too personal, but I, I, I don't beautiful. think, I think when you're in the middle of it, it feels like failure, but I often find, and I think, you know, that's, a failure is just the beginning of, of a new chapter and something new, as long as you learn from it and move forward. Yeah, completely. Absolutely love that. And and I, I totally agree with you about the knowing that you are stronger than what you think you are. There have been so many situations in my life where you look at it on the face of it and think, actually, there's no way that I can deal with this. And there's no, no way that I have the power, the strength no. to be able to do it. And yet no. somehow you do. No. Um and that's a really beautiful thing to always, yeah. always fall back on. Yeah. Really interesting. Tell us about some of your early mentors. Who has influenced the way that you think about marketing communications um, and simplicity? So certainly uh, I would have to answer that it's Gustav, who I mentioned, our, our um, founder and uh, creative director. He has a way of looking at communications, which is so exciting, which is that all communication is on the terms of the recipient. So it doesn't matter what you're screaming out loud unless somebody is willing to take it in. And then, you know, recognizing that all recipients have one thing in common, hopefully, and that's that they have a brain. So our kind of whole building a story always starts with a, a genuine understanding of how the brain wants to receive information. You know, we are not, if you look historically, we started communicating 
uh, you know, stories 100,000 years ago. And then we started, you know, doing drawings on caves and stuff. Um, and 30,000 years ago, and then three and a half thousand years ago, we started with editorial content. And yet how, so, so we're obviously not, you know, we're made for stories, yet how do we often communicate? Well, it's going to be black text, PowerPoints, you know, on white background. Um, so all of this, just to say that there's like such a, there's such a, a genuine understanding that he comes with. Um, so it's, we don't just come up with cool concepts here. Like we really think about who is the receiving person and how do we make something stick in their brain? So that's uh, certainly something that I have I've learned from um, and enjoyed understanding. Absolutely love that. My favorite question now, the books question. Mm. Tell us about some of your favorite books. I know that you're a huge reader. Um, <laughs> I can see from your shelves the last time that we spoke. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell us some of those, tell us your favorite books. Yeah. Okay. So the bookshelves that you saw uh, are there because they are color coordinated. Um, <laughs> so I have like the orange books with the orange band, which makes my mother very, very angry because she asks me how I can find the books. And I tell her the books are not for finding, they're for decoration. <laughs> they're but for I decoration. do read. For fashion purposes. <laughs> I do read. Um, right. One book which has had a huge impact on me that I really recommend is um, a book called The Happen uh, Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. Um, and if you don't want to dive straight into ordering the book, I would recommend watching. He has a great uh, TED Talk. It's 12 minutes. And it just kind of talks about how the formula of like, I'll do this and this, and then I'll be happy, how we need to flip that around. And actually, we need to start with figuring out what makes us happy, because then that will lead to very many positive things. And, and that's had a really big impact on me. Uh, and I actually do I do a lot of the daily kind of things that he suggests in order to try to reverse the formula. Uh, and it's, it's a really, really well-written and funny book. You know, it's not one of these kind of boring, like life coaching. It's really, um, it's a great book. So that's one. Um, and then I enjoy the kind of pseudo scientific, like Malcolm Gladwell, uh, outliers, for instance, Love or, Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. yeah, or, um, getting things done by David Allen. Oh, um, brilliant book just you know kind of how to break things down and, and keep things moving um so I guess there's a lot of kind of I really do enjoy like business books and I like when people have taken the time to figure out ways of visualizing strategies and sure. you know um so those three are really good in the last three to five years what ideas behaviors or habits have you added or removed from your life that have improved your outcomes so in the last three to five years, I've added a husband to my life. Woo, uh, that's a big <laughs> one. Which has really improved my life. Um, not only because he's a great guy, but also because uh, we we do this thing where we have taken all of the kind of um, tools that we have for creating strategy in work. And we've tried to figure out how to make that applicable to our personal lives. So we've done this whole framework now where we every... Uh, New Year's Eve, go through our joint mission, vision, and values. Love that. We talk about, you know, what are our strategic objectives and which action points are we going to take this year? It's ridiculous to some, but Straight it's Straight out of the management consultant exactly. essential. Yeah, absolutely. Love and that. it works. It works. And it and it's, works. I think, you know, no company would ever admit to not having a strategy. Everyone understands that to be successful as a company, you need to have a long-term strategy. And yet in our personal lives, 
you know, we kind of just go along with whatever happens. We kind of fly by the wind. Exactly. And so I think having a plan, even if you then completely leave that plan and life happens and there's pandemics and, you know, everything gets turned upside down, at least having that conversation and taking the time to think through has made a massive difference to me. Uh, it's been really, really, really useful. We did the same thing. when I So I, I got married in May. Congratulations. Thank you. I met my wife a year before that. So we don't, we hadn't known each other for very long. But for the first six months, after I proposed, after six months, we sat down and did the exact same thing. We looked at what is our purpose? What is our mission? What are our values individually and then, you know, collectively? And then what do we want to do? What are, what are our goals for the next 20 years? 10, 5, one and then today what does that mean that we have to do today and i can't tell you how many things already that we've already achieved absolutely on a, in a short space of time looking back at the goals we're like huh we've done that we've done that we've done <laughs> yeah. that we've done yeah. that yeah. it's amazing and most people amazing. don't don't do it no but people don't say the and, it, and it's such a nice way of having these really important conversations and, uh, you know, maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable being like, hey, what's our 20 year goal as you're like on a Tuesday afternoon, but yeah. taking the time to sit down and, and be serious about it and talk sure. through it, I think is so, uh, it's so important, which reminds me of another great book, which is Couples Please. That Work by uh, um, Jennifer Petrolini. She's my okay. old professor at, uh, at INSEAD Business School, uh, has written this amazing book about couples that work. So both like, like dual career couples. Um, that's a great read as well. Okay, last couple of questions and then I'll let you go. What advice would you give to a young person or millennial who says that they want to start their career in an agency world or start an agency? Um, I would go back to one of one of the words I've used a lot here, which is grit. Like you have to you have to be prepared to uh, to be courageous, to raise your hand, to say, I want to try this. I want to do this. I mean, I'd much rather, as a leader, I'd much rather have to rein you in than to push you forward. So I think having grit, uh, taking responsibility is true, not only in the agency world, but in 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 general. Um, I think also maybe like being, not being too afraid to take decisions, because as long as you take a decision, you can take another one, right? And change that first decision. But if you don't make any decisions, then you're stuck where you are. So make decisions and then make other decisions, um, but don't be afraid to make decisions. By the way, th th so your talk about mission, vision and, and values and 20 year goal and dis making decisions, it sounds as though you've been influenced by the work of Jim Collins, Good to Great, Great by mm. Choice, uh, How the Mighty Fall. Is, has that been part of the way that you, you know, the agency thinks? Has that been part of the education or the literature that you've been consuming? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I said. Like, I think we, for me personally, I, I went to business school and I learned all these great like tools and frameworks and, you know, um, and it was all aimed at businesses. And uh, there was a, there was also a great article, uh, a Harvard Business Review article, which I think broke it down and make it made it very simple for me, um, which is, can you say what your strategy is? I think is the name of that article. And, and it's eight pages of what strategy is. And I was like, why can't we can just take this and apply it straight on to our lives? Like we, um, so yes, absolutely. Everything that I've studied and worked with and, you know, had in a business context is what we've then taken and tried to apply to more to a personal situation. 
Absolutely love I it. I may need to write a book about this. <laughs> and if yeah. I do, will you buy it? <laughs> I, of course, you know I'm going to buy. Yes. I've just bought four books that you've just, you've just suggested to me. Fantastic. I spend a lot of money on books. Um, and my fi- You've definitely got a book in you, by the way. Um, and my final question, Hedda, what is it you know about growing agencies today that you wish you knew back in at the beginning of your career or in 2019? I mean, like I said, I, I think we're all, we are, nobody knows exactly what they're doing. And don't be afraid to, to try things out. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, make a decision and then make another one. I think it's really like, just, just try things, have grit, push through. Um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's not so, it's not so theoretical or difficult. It's just about doing it. It's just about having, you know, working hard and pushing through. I guess I knew that, you know, all those years ago as well, but it's definitely proven to be true. Absolutely love that. Hedda, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. We have been speaking with Hedda Lidgard. She is currently the CEO of Frank Valiant. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 160 such conversations we've had with world-class leaders in sales and marketing. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 160 such conversations with world-class leaders in the agency space. Follow us on LinkedIn, head over to agencydealmasters.com and sign up to our weekly email newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Tyler Baller is our booker. Christoph Boaszczyk is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. You are listening to Agency Deal Masters, brought to you by Bridge, the growth focused podcast agency.